Welcome to Maury Methodist Church's Sanctuary Service. My name is Doug Baker and I'm the lead pastor. In today's message, I'll be talking about the important practice of solitude and silence for the follower of Christ. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Let's join in as the message is already underway. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. To welcome those who are viewing online today, we're glad that you're here, and to everyone in the congregation today, so good to see you. We're just continuing to have great attendance as we get into the summer months, and I'm just so delighted to have you here. May God do a good work in us as the word is proclaimed and as we prepare our hearts for communion. Will you pray with me? Lord, in these moments, as your word is proclaimed, may your Holy Spirit be active in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, and as I preach, we ask that you might teach in all of our hearts, illuminate our minds, quicken us to the will of your Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Andrew Sullivan, in his New York Times article, I used to be a human being states that modernity has slowly weakened America's spirituality. It has downplayed the importance of silence, replacing it with noise and constant urgent action. The white noise of secularism has removed the very stillness in which we might be reborn in Christ. Churches need to understand that the greatest threat to our faith is not hedonism, but distraction. The church is ministering to a new digital age that needs to be reminded of this message today, a very important one, the importance of solitude and silence for our well-being and for the sake of our souls. Human beings are being referred to nowadays as digital carnivores whether it is the internet, news feeds, Facebook or Twitter, or responding to text messages from friends or emails that you need to respond to, the cell phone is now referred to as an appendage to the human body. Simple moments of reflection, random acts of kindness, smiles to strangers, casual conversations as you wait in line at the checkout are being lost in the wake of this cell phone phenomenon. We all stand in line, at least I do now, sometimes too much, with our head down, looking at our phones. Even our devotional life, if you can do your devotions, and some of you do do your devotions online, can be interrupted by text messages from friends or from email notifications or other news notifications. Your time with the Lord can even be interrupted by pop-up advertising. In fact, as I was writing this sermon, 
I like to do word studies on my cell phone. I go to a lexicon that I have there and I study the word. And while I'm studying the word, trying to prepare for this sermon, there is pop-up advertising down below trying to grab my attention as I study. A survey from Microsoft found that 77% of young adults answered yes when asked, when nothing is occupying my attention, I reach for my phone. I've found myself doing this as well. I think I used to be more human than I'm becoming. I read recently that the cell phone has been called a dopamine dispenser. The development of the iPhone in 2007 has been spoken of as having such a global impact as the 1440 invention of the Gutenberg printing press. I remind you that the Gutenberg printing press spawned the Protestant Reformation, the Great Awakening, the Great Enlightenment, as people were able to read things that were printed for them to read and understand, especially the Bible. But friends, the reports that we're getting about the social media and the cell phone's use is that our attention spans are lowering, we are getting more agitated more easily, and depression is on the rise. It's time to speak out about cell phone use. We need to just modify it, use our self-discipline by the help of the Holy Spirit to control ourselves, to leave the phone, maybe in another room, while we spend time with God in prayer, or have an intimate conversation with our spouse, or with our children, or share a meal together. But that's for you to work out with God and the Holy Spirit. Catholic priest and social critic Ronald Rollheiser states, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. Maybe Sullivan is onto something. Maybe we are losing our humanness. Distractions, constant noise, the sense of urgency, urgency to immediately respond is waging a war on our souls. It's hard to just be present in today's world. And if maybe the cell phone is not what you spend your time, maybe it's the television or some other electronic device which captivates us with ongoing entertainment or news flashes or things that grab our attention and keep us away from other things. The goal of today's message is not really to just rat out the cell phone. I use it, I'm grateful for it, and I've been able to use it in ministry effectively. And yes, sometimes it is a hindrance to my spiritual life. We're here today to talk about life with Jesus, not to allow ourselves to be distracted by whatever it is, whether it's technology, entertainment, challenges, tasks that are waiting for us to do, whatever it is, we need to hear the lesson today and the important message of making time for solitude and silence and prayer with God. If not, we will be continually formed by the world and its marketing and its entertainment. 
Jesus has something to teach us today. Spending each, time, each day in solitude and silence can certainly for us, as one author said, well, re-rack the billiard balls on the table, if you will. I find that a helpful analogy. Sometimes my mind and my thoughts are so scattered, it's just good to bring it all together and start again. Hit that reset button. Solitude and silence can help with that. In words of Christian uh, writer and counselor John Eldridge, and I've shared this before, we need to learn and give ourselves permission again to hit the pause button in the middle of the day, to take a simple break of maybe two or three minutes and simply breathe and simply just reflect. And as Eldridge encourages us to pray, Father, I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone and everything to you. Or as we talked about last week, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, bring me wisdom in this moment. Come Holy Spirit, bring your fruit of peace or insight. Come Holy Spirit, into my heart as I navigate this challenge. Friends, this is becoming such an important conversation in today's media and in book writing. There seems to be a cry among people to come back to real relationship rather than just being entranced in the digital age. And especially for youth of our world today who by the age of 18 are sometimes spending as many as 10,000 hours playing video games. Friends, 10,000 hours that anything makes you an expert. Think of all the things that could be done. We are losing a generation to digital uh, investment and time. So I'm here to remind us that though people are talking in secular markets about mindfulness and looking at right now, there seems to be attractiveness to Buddhism and secular humanism, Jesus got it right long ago. You need to stop, you need to pull away, and you need to have some time of silence and solitude. For Christians who are trying to apprentice their lives after Jesus Christ, it is paramount, especially in today's world. Let's look at the scripture lesson today, and let me give you the backstory of the first chapter of Mark's gospel. Jesus began his day teaching in the synagogue of Capernaum. And he, people were amazed at his incredible teaching. He talked with such great authority, but his teaching was interrupted by a demon-possessed man who entered the synagogue, and Jesus exercised that demon out of him. Following their time in the synagogue, he went to Simon Peter's house. Simon Peter, and uh, now we also have James and John and Andrew are the first of the four disciples beginning to follow Jesus. Jesus is invited to Simon's house, and when he gets there, the mother-in-law is sick down with a fever. Jesus immediately reaches out to her, takes her by the hand, and she is healed of the fever. I think Mark is making a statement about the healing that has taken place because she immediately rises and begins to prepare a meal for Jesus and the disciples. There, as the evening comes to an end, word has gotten out that Jesus is this miracle man who is doing these miraculous healings. 
And it says in the scripture preceding our scripture lesson that at the end of the day, at Simon Peter's house, the whole town was outside on the front porch. They had come for healing. Those who were sick and demon-possessed were calling out for Jesus to heal them. And we find from the scriptures that Jesus does a lot of healing that evening. Going into the evening, we don't know how long. The amazing thing is this is a one huge, ginormous, full day of ministry, lots of fruitfulness, lots of teaching, lots of healing. And Jesus, I would not have thought it would have been strange for him to desire to maybe sleep in the next morning a little bit, possibly have a big breakfast with the disciples, maybe debrief with them about the events that had occurred and the healings that had happened and talk with them about the kingdom of God. But before getting on with business and before sleeping in, or even before having a big breakfast, Jesus pulls away. And as the scripture I read to you says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, I've told you, I like to do word studies. You've heard me preach a lot of sermons. I like to get and see what the Greek words, and many commentators pointed out that the solitary place is interpreted in the NIV is the Greek word eromos, which is the exact same word for desert. And I remind you that we are just days into the beginning of Jesus's ministry. He has just spent 40 days in the desert there being tempted by the devil. He has been with God in, solitaire, in that solitude and in that silence and in that prayer and in that fasting and the eremos. And this word pops up immediately in the first case of his ministry. Once again, he has pulled himself back. I stated a few weeks ago in my message, an apprentice of Jesus doesn't necessarily need to hear a bunch of commands from Jesus, but we do need to study the gospels. And friends, we need to understand that there is a consistent message across the gospels of the pattern of Jesus's life and the importance of silence and solitude. Let me give you some examples. I mentioned that it, he started his ministry by entering into the desert, Luke 4, Matthew 4. Before the selection of his disciples, he spent a night alone with God, Luke 6, 14. After receiving the news that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew to a lonely place, Matthew 14, 13. And after miraculously feeding 5,000, he went into the hills by himself where he was alone, Matthew 14, 23. When the 12 returned from preaching and their healing mission that they did on their own, he called them back together. They were so exhausted they hadn't had time to eat. He said, it's time to pull away, guys. Come away with me for a time of restoration. That's in Matthew 6, 31. We, we sought, he sought silence even in the garden of Gethsemane when he pulled away in prayer. And what I see he started his ministry with solitude and silence. He ended his ministry with solitude and silence before being arrested in Gethsemane that night. And the high moments of the miracles of the 5,000 being fed, and in the low moments of uh, hearing about John the Baptist, his cousin's head being taken off, he pulls back for time alone with God. We must remember 
by following the life of Jesus to emulate his patterns. And I'm here to say his pattern was one of solitude, solitude and silence. William Barclay in his commentary on Mark writing on the passage states, not to pray is to be guilty of the incredible folly of ignoring the possibility of adding God to our resources. I don't know about you, but in today's hectic and time-consuming and difficult world, I need the resources, all the resources of God and the Holy Spirit to help me. How about you? And yet, so quickly I am to forget to ask for that help. Jesus models for us, again, this pattern, which I would say towards the end of my week, I'm pretty good at. When it comes to getting the message finished up at home in my study, Thursday afternoons, evenings, Friday mornings into Saturday, uh, I've got a lot of solitude as I prepare to preach and bring the word to you all. But Monday through the first half of Thursday, my day gets full. Sometimes many, many hours. Sometimes I'm up here late at night, meeting after meeting after meeting. And the temptation that I have, and I will confess I will often fail to do, is to stop in the early moments of the day when I have a big day of meetings and just spend extra time with God in prayer. John Wesley and Martin Luther, great leaders of the church and reform and renewal, both attributed <clears throat> to saying something very similar. I chose John Wesley's, a little partial to him. He said, I have so much to do today that I shall have to spend hours in prayer. Luther mentioned the number three hours. Mother Teresa was asked by spiritual writer Henry Nouwen, how is it that you stay so close to God? This was her response. If you will just spend one hour a day with God and not do what you know is wrong, you'll be just fine, Henry. What great simple counsel from Mother Teresa for us to be hearing today. What is solitude? John Mark Comer, who inspired much of this sermon in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, offers us several excellent definitions of solitude and how it's contrasted with isolation. Solitude is safety. Isolation is danger. Solitude is how you open yourself to God. Isolation is painting a big target on your back for the devil. Solitude is when you set aside time to feed and water and nourish your soul that it may grow into maturity. Isolation is when you find yourself craving the soul that you've been neglecting. Richard Foster stated, loneliness is inner emptiness. Solitude is inner fulfillment. In solitude, we are anything but alone, especially when we carve out that time with God. In fact, in solitude, if we will stay with it long enough, we can begin to build a very intimate and meaningful relationship with our Heavenly Father. But you're probably saying to me, Doug, you don't know my schedule. You don't know how busy I am. You don't know all the things I have, the demands I have. And to the young moms in the congregation today and online, yes, I know you've got young children as well, and it's hard to make the time. But I want to just speak for a word as Gene and I were talking about this 
She doesn't have a lot of regrets, and I'm not here to give Gina's regrets to you, but one thing she shared with me one time was this. I wish that as I read the Bible as a young mom, I did it more in front of the children. Her pattern was when they went off to school or went off to have their naps when they were very little, that's when she would read her disciple Bible study. That's when she would read the Bible. Should have learned maybe from Susanna Wesley Susanna Wesley would put an apron over her head, which meant to all the children, do not disturb mom. She's spending time with God. She's reading the Bible. But think of the great legacy of a child knowing that you just need to be quiet, play silently by mom now or dad, because mom and dad are spending their time with God. What a great lesson to give to our children and to our grandchildren. John Mark Comer, in the end of the chapter on solitude and silence, talks about sometimes when he tries to have solitude and silence, his mind is all over the place. And he just kind of walks away feeling like today was a failure. But I love what he said next. But I'll be back tomorrow. A long obedience in the same direction. We won't always get it right, friends. But we got to keep trying to carve out time with the Lord it's very important to our souls. Even Jesus is interrupted in our story. Simon and his companions, Andrew, James, and John, went to look for him. Here's another word, story, word study for you. The word, <clears throat> sorry, catechitico, which doesn't matter, doesn't matter what it is. I could have said, eeny miny mo. <laughs> but what I want to point out to you it is, it is a pursuit to hunt down as if with hostile sense. This is an intense seeking out of Jesus, not just a casual, let's go see if we can find him. They are hunting him down. The word says in the scriptures that they simply say, everyone is looking for you, but let's just expand on that just a little bit. Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you here? Yesterday was awesome. Everyone is looking for you. Hashtag Jesus is trending right now. You've got to get back to work. People want to see more miracles. Come on, Jesus, let's go. The response of our Lord is amazing to that demand that everyone's looking for you. Let us go somewhere else, he says, to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. What has Jesus done? In his solitude and silence, in his time with the Father, he knows who he is. He's clear in his identity. His mission and his purpose are very clear. And I think it's interesting. He's just left the devil in the desert. The devil wanted him to short, you know, short circuit the ministry, do spectacular things. Well, he starts the ministry, spectacular things are happening. People are calling and clamoring for more. The temptation is there to go for the popularity, to stay in Capernaum, start a healing ministry, let the crowds come to you, make this as dramatic as possible. But Jesus knows his mission and he will fulfill what the Father has called him to do, to make sure the world knows that God loves them and that he will be the Savior who lays down his life so that their sins can be forgiven. There is a message that needs to be proclaimed 
and solitude and silence kept Jesus focused on his identity and his mission. All kinds of interruptions are gonna occur, friends. You can guarantee it. That's the way the world is wired. And there's a lot of people making money off of those advertisements and interruptions that they're putting in front of you. You will be shaped by the world if you do not pause to step back to spend time with God to be shaped by your heavenly Father and by Jesus Christ for whom you are an apprentice. If you do not do Christian spiritual formation, if you do not do spiritual practices like solitude and silence and prayer, you will be conformed to this crazy world in which we lived. So let's pursue a life with Jesus that includes solitude and silence. And real quickly, I wanna draw your attention to the back of the bulletin. This is something for you to take home, to study and to look at. You see, I've taken many good notes here for you. It's not really about the sermon, it's an exercise for you to look at. Let me just describe it quickly. The distracted life of spiritual oblivion is at the top by Ronald Reihauser. All of these things that follow that down to silence and solitude are unhealthy things for your soul care and for your spirit. You might see some of your, these things happening in your life. That should be a red flag for you to move you towards the, the middle of the page, silence and solitude. Things like, I'm emotionally unhealthy. I'm at the surface of my life. I'm reactionary. I'm defensive. I'm an easy prey for the tempter. I turn to escapes like watching television or drinking alcohol or social media rather than doing the things that restore my soul. I get exhausted to the much so that I'm looking forward to going to bed. And look at that. You, you have low energy that are looking for the stimulant of choice to keep you going through the day. I think we have a chronic issue right now that no one's speaking about, and that's the use of energy drinks in our country. I'm hearing more and more of young adults drinking one or two energy drinks a day just to keep going. I can't imagine what that's doing to our health and the future of our people. Undercurrent of anxiety, feeling distant from myself, losing my identity, my calling. Feeling distant from God simply means I rush through my devotional time just to get it done. But there we, we land at silence and solitude. Everything beneath that is where we're hoping to move. Again, discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. We are hoping to move to a quiet place where I daily meet with God. I take time to pull away from the noises and the stresses of life. I don't rush. I have a place. I pause. I'm there with God. I fight for it in my schedule. I practice taking deep breaths. And when, I just tell you this, when you begin to pause and the world gets quiet, the internal emotional stuff will start speaking out loudly. And a lot of people don't want to deal with the emotional stuff that's going on inside, so they keep their lives loud. As you get quiet with God, God's going to begin to want to work on those things inside of you, and you need to pay attention to those. There will be good things coming forward, but there will also be some hard emotions. There will be things like addictions that begin to surface. Friends, face those things knowing that the Holy Spirit is with us, and as we've been preaching in our sermon series, God is with us. Face those things. Hear the lies that those things are telling you and look for the truth that the Holy Spirit desires to bring. And lastly, 
pray that the Holy Spirit and God's voice will cut through the noise. He'll speak his love over you and you'll begin to abide in that rest that we call the life with Jesus. Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 11 o'clock on our campus in downtown Tyler. God is doing some good work among us and I don't want you to miss out. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church and its ministry and serving opportunities. And if we can be of any assistance in your spiritual growth, I hope that you'll notify us.